Hello, my name is Russ Shaw. This is episode 7 of season 2 of the ASI podcast. Stress. I used to define it in shallow terms. I've learned better over the years. Stress has wheels, and those wheels are called anxiety. Anxiety's bashing my mind in, terrorizing my soul like Bill Laden. But I ain't falling down, bruh. I won't lose control, bruh. Shackled in chain, my soul feels stained. I can't explain, gotta itch in my brain. Lately, my whole aim is to maintain and regain control of my mainframe. My blood's boiling, it's beating out propane. My train of thoughts more like a runaway train. I'm in a fast car, driving in the fast lane. In the rain, and I might just hide your plane. I don't fear none of my enemies, and I don't fear bullets from Uzis. I've been dealing with something that's worse than these. I'm making for your knees, and that's the anxiety. Gotta get back indeed. That is the Black Eyed Peas. Ella Funk. If you go to the website asi247.org, that's asi247.org. Asi247 and then .org, right? Organized. I'm working on it. I'm still working on that one. Anyway, stress, yes, I know. Stressed out. We are a stressed out bunch of people. In life, there will be pain and trial and stress. Man, if, if you're stressed, it means you're alive. That's a good thing. But stress isn't a good thing, right? Stress is things we have to deal with, usually in waves. Are there people without stress? Yes, there are. They're called dead people, all right? Stress is part of life, and I'm going to take on the subject today. But I'm going to go right into it here with, um, first of all, the, the, def- the dictionary definition of it. And this is from dictionary.com. It's a collaboration, if you will, from a bunch of different... I'm just going by memory here. Uh, stress... The definition of stress as a noun is also is a verb too, but stress as a noun is this. It's the exerted effort or tension on a material object or a set of circumstances. Right? I'm I'm stressed over this car that won't start, or I'm stressed over my job. Does that make sense? Uh, another one is stress as a verb. I can't stress this enough. At the beginning of the show, I played the Black Eyed Peas, right? And I was stressing the point of the anxiety. This is a language that's also, you know, it's funny how the changing words in the English language over the years. If you read the uh, 
new or the King James version of the Bible, you know, it's like 500 years old or something. They use the word beseech. <laughs> I beseech you. All right. I, I, I can't stress this enough. I, I implore you is another one. Synonyms or stress, what stress means. Life coaching deals with stress in, in stressing words, creating a certain amount of angst in helping the coach E, right, uh, solve that, that angst or that stress and stressing emotionally certain uh, attitudes that come out of a person. Say, hey, you know, you came up with the right answer. You came up with the right attitude. I'm going to praise you for that with my emotional emphasis on, hey, good job. That's what life coaches do, different than psychotherapy. This, by the way, is not online therapy, all right? I'm not your online life coach, whatever. I, I just just a show, all right? Just a podcast. Relax. Seek a professional medical or psychiatric help for... Anyway, that's my disclaimer. Throw that out there, all right? Not to confuse anyone, all right? A few shows ago, I was yelling at you, and I do it out of love, all right? Because I am coach to a certain degree, all right? This isn't one-on-one -on -one counseling or therapy or anything like that. I'm broadcasting, speaking to a wide audience. And something I said was, why don't you do the disciplines, you know? Why, why wouldn't you do that? Take this thing on. And what I'm doing is I'm emotionally emphasizing that we need to face the truth claims of our situation, where we find ourselves at, at this moment in time. And that's going to take some effort on your and my part, right? That's true. I wanted to unpack for a moment, um, I'd do a whole show on it later, but for this show on stress, I want to unpack for a moment this word disciple. Some people, you know, oh, that's Christianese, a religious word. Okay, well, discipline is you disciplining yourself to a certain, you know, like playing the guitar, for example. It takes time to be disciplined to learn how to play a musical instrument, right? But when you get there and you follow through and you go to practice and you get a, a coach or a music teacher or something like that and they they help you learn to play that guitar, then you can compose, right? You get to this point of freedom in your discipline where you're composing music. Does that make sense? That's being disciplined. It could also be, it can also mean being discipled. All right, a disciple is a disciplined student. That's what the word means. But in the music, right, analogy, it can be shallow. Because once you learn how to play the music, what kind of music are you going to play, right? What is the tune that is in your heart that's going to come flowing out of you? Jesus talks about his disciples, right? Pick up your cross and follow me. Following Jesus, right? Being a disciple of Jesus is really defining love in a different way, is what it is. It's, it's loving God. It's realizing that God became a man, walked among us, entered time and space, his own creation, all right? God isn't the creation. God sits outside of time and space and created. Time is not something that God is constrained by. It's something he made. Same with the planet, same with the animals and nature. And these are the creations of God. He enters his creation as the sun. 
Well, how can there be two? You know, uh, Muslims say we commit the sin of shirk or something like that. I forget the name. Um, if I travel back in time to 1985, I would grab myself by my right. Anyway, you you get what I'm saying. There, how many Rashads would there be? Well, there'd be two, but there'd be one, right? Anyway, one God. That's the Trinity. Is one God. It blows our little mind, but that's spiritual reality. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is this the, the spirit of life that gets inside us and moves us. And as I understand, there's two camps that are listening. One is, okay, Russ, that's your worldview. I just don't believe it. That may be what you believe, and that's great for you, but for what I believe, I don't, I don't believe that. Can I tell you something? First of all, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you that you are open-minded enough to keep listening. Because some people just react in emotion and just, ah, just shut this down. This is religion or whatever. You know, I can't stand religion, by the way. Anyway, that'll, that's another show. Um, my heart and what I'm expressing and in communicating to you is not advice. This is not my opinion. It's news. Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel is, that word means good news. Okay, so, I don't know. Put that, bookmark that, and and put a pin in, I don't know. For, FYI, right? I'm, I'm glad you're listening, and I do care about you. The second camp that's listening, you believe it, right? Like, I love that song by you too. Uh, I believe it. You took my sins. We were nailed to the cross. I'm a Christian. I call myself a blood-bought Christian. I, I've been to church. I've done baptized, right? I've done communion. I'm, right? I, I believe it. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You know, I love that song. There's the, the second camp that believes it, but you're still really heavily you're like your knees are buckling under the the pressure and the weight of anxiety or depression i get that man i've been there the word addict is kind of a sociological term right or a psychological term in chemical dependency anyway addict is is something that's slapped on like a label on people and i get that um, but I, I, it's my, there's no scientific data or evidence towards this, but spending a lot of time with, with people who were addicted, you know, and myself being addicted, I believe that really the, underneath the psychology, the theology of this is really being a spiritually sensitive person. I think that addicts, right, using that label, are spiritually very sensitive people. I heard uh, a biography of Kurt Cobain um, talking about this, and it, and it touched me, and I was thinking about the, sensi the sensitivity of this man, Kurt Cobain. Is it correct to say that Kurt Cobain suffered from depression? Absolutely, he did. But what was under that? What was under that depression? And I believe that just as a, a personality, the guy was very, a very sensitive person. And like a lot of addicts, he took a lot of drugs in order to dumb down or dull down 
the sensitivity that he had to life, you know? That's what causes this addiction, the chemical part, even. When the news of Whitney Houston came out recently, I'm like, oh, man, that hurt. I hurt for her family. I hurt for the fact that she, you know, the world was robbed of this very talented woman. Her life taken by addiction. I heard of interviews with her, and this also had me thinking about this topic of stress. She was talking about in this interview that she, you know, why, why, right? I mean, that's the big thing, big question to addicts. Why? Why are you addicted? Why do you do this? Um, a lot of people blamed Bobby Brown, you know? She married this guy, Bobby Brown. Well, you got in the, you married the wrong dude. You got in with a bad crowd. And the truth was that she was doing drugs before she met Bobby Brown. And, uh, you know, this was the guy she was attracted to because of that life. Um, and being a, a sensitive person. Again, I, I don't know, you know, the demons of her past or, or what she was dealing with. But I do know that there's something to this reaction in the sensitive heart to stress stresses of life but she was asked in an interview years ago and she was going through the rehab and stuff like that she was she was asked again you know going back to my point why uh, and she said something that that I related to um, she said I'm my own worst enemy that's why because I want to that's that's why and it had me thinking about I've been there right I was forced into recovery by the state of Washington. I'm sitting here in this 12-step group uh, because I was forced to, you know, crossing my arms and, and saying, you know, I don't have a disease. I do this because I want to. I had the same attitude. The truth was, yes, I had a sensitive spirit or soul inside me. And I had this fleshy reactor on the outside. Like a I don't know, a porcupine or a cactus, you know? Something, the, the physical on the outside keeping out what's on the inside because don't want to get hurt again. It was later on that I realized that a lot of this had to do with how I dealt with stress. That, yes, there's a spiritual sensitive part of me and then there's also a knee-jerk reaction and the longer the quills were on the porcupine, the colder my heart, my spirit got. Because it, you know, it wasn't warmed by God or other people or anything. It was just locked away in there. And the Bible touches on this, and there's scriptures that talk about, you know, your your spirit within you, right? Your passions are at war within you. Um, don't be double-minded. The, the pain of, of being double-minded, feeling like you're two different people inside. I, I get that. As I got older and through recovery, really investigating things that I was built on, you know, my attitudes, what was my heart built on? What am I really made out of, you know? The substance of, you know, who I am as a person. Just really investigating that, I started to see this 
flesh versus spirit thing going on inside me. But again, as I investigated more, I saw that, yeah, there's this war going on, but also you can't get away from your flesh because you live in it. You know, it's part of you. It's your body. St. Francis is one of my favorite early church fathers, and he had this great metaphor. He said that my body is an ass, right? He's not talking about, right, his behind. He's talking about a donkey or a mule. He's just kind of making a joke about how my body is like this pack animal, and sometimes it's deserving of a carrot, and sometimes it's deserving of a nice swift kick in the behind, right? And I thought that was brilliant, and it helped helped me open my eyes to the fact that, yeah, you know, we have this pack animal that carries the stresses of our life. So this is the point where I would look you in the eye and say, are you tracking with me, right? Does that make sense? Are our bodies like a donkey or a mule? Sometimes it doesn't do what we want it to do. Sometimes it's stubborn, it's lazy, it's got a cold, you know, you're sick and you want to get your job done, but you can't because your boss is going to get mad if you make everybody else sick, you show up sick, you know. So are our bodies like the donkey? I heard a guy say that if you just get your tennis shoes on, you lace them up, you get your gym shorts on, and you get on the elliptical, you're you're 80% there, you know, when it comes to working out. It's just getting your body to do that much. It's like a donkey. So again, that makes sense. That metaphor makes sense. So if there is a donkey, then there must be a master of that donkey. And that would be, according to the self, I'm talking about self-image here, what we think of ourselves, you know. Whitney Houston going, but she said, I do exactly what I want to do. I'm my own worst enemy, you know. I mean, like, I get that. I've been there. But which part of you? Because again, we have a spirit. We have a heart. The heart is, again, this ancient uh, metaphor from the ancient Hebrews who talked about this thing that is in our center that is pumping blood out to the, the tips of our fingers, to the tips of our toes, through the tiny ventricles in our brain, in our eyes, you know. That's our heart. It's, it's a metaphor. Our, our spirit is, is another heart. It is pumping motivation. Why do you get up in the morning? Why do we do the things we do? Why is our life unfolding the way it unfolds? It has to do with our heart, our spirit, our soul, what we love, what we desire, where our affections lie, what we choose to cultivate, I heard another person say, as far as success principles, talking about how our lives are like a field. And if we don't cultivate that field, we just end up with a bunch of weeds, you know. If you, if you ever walked into a beautiful garden, it didn't just get that way by happenstance, okay. Somebody weeded that thing. Somebody cultivated that thing to keep it, to make it the way that it is. And our heart, right, our heart decides and chooses you know, what the garden of our life is going to grow. Does that make sense? So we have a donkey, and then we have the master to the donkey. And listen, here's a, here's a proverb that really helped me kind of understand some of this. 
uh, first of all, let me uh, tell you a little story. I was uh, hearing about this metaphor from uh, St. Francis, and then I, I watched the X Games. I don't know if you ever saw the X Games. It's kind of like the Generation X Games, you know. It's like skateboarding and BMX biking and dirt biking and uh, snowboarding, so things like that, you know, then the X Games. And this one guy, I can't remember his name, it was years ago, but he, like, does these tricks and freestyle BMXing, you know, and he's spinning around, he's on these ramps, and he's going up and down, and he slams, he goes, spins up in the air, and he slams down, like, right on his shoulder, and then his bike, like, gets twisted up around his leg, and he, he just, the bike lands on top of him, and it's just this big, just crunch, you know, you hear this, and you're like, oh, man, and he's just all twisted up in this bicycle like a pretzel, and I'm thinking, Dude, that is, you know. So later on, they like rush him off in an ambulance or whatever. So later on, they show the guy, and he's in this, you know, uh, in the hospital bed or whatnot, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, that was just spectacular. <laughs> you know, that was a spectacular crash, and his body is all busted up, right? But his spirit's okay. Like the doctors say, he's going to be all right. He's going to be able to ride again." He's just got some, uh, you know, a few broken bones. They'll mend fine. He's a young guy. He'll be fine. And so he's laying there going, you know what? It, it was awesome. <laughs> it just this blew me away, this guy's reaction to this. really was a spectacular crash. But, yeah, that was his spirit inside him, right? Even though his body was crushed, his spirit's like, you know, this is what I do. I, I see the risks. And, and as far as crashes go... That was a pretty good one, you know. Um, the book of Proverbs, this is in uh, from chapter 18, this is verse 14. A man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? Right? And this is true. What if it's the other way around? What if your body's fine? But your heart, your spirit ends up twisted in a pretzel, you know, because of some heart wound. Whether it's heartbreak, whether it's divorce, you know. I mean, there's so many teens that struggle with that, dealing with that. Sensitive souls and hearts whose parents get divorced. I mean, it's just epidemic in our culture. Not just that, but, you know, just the stuff that happens in life. So again, I don't want to talk about depression like it's just flipping, you know. Just get up and do the disciplines. That's not what I'm saying. It's another one of the Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 15, 13. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Psalm 109, uh, verse 22. For I am poor and needy. My heart is wounded within me. So when stress comes, it's like this load that's, that's you know, slowly and churning out different things for our pack mule to carry, you know. And what I've noticed about a lot of sex addicts, not all, but sexual addiction has this thing where the donkey, he looks great, you know. A lot of, a lot of sex addicts look great. In good shape, Right. The donkey's buff, you know. He can carry, uh, he can bench, right? I mean, the donkey's, he's, he's a force to be reckoned with. And then there's, on the other side, the, the other part of the, the donkey, or the flesh, 
there's another bunch of sex addicts that I've noticed that are very intellectual, um, brain wise, right? They've, they've invested a lot of their energy, you know, into their brain. They may not look great, right, on the surface, but it's kind of the other side of the scale. They're still very invested in the flesh, but it's, it's the mind, right? You're very focused on your things that you're passionate about and you know everything about them. So it seems like the donkey, this pack animal, right, it, it could carry the stress, the loads of life. But really, in the stressful, right, the most stressful times of our lives, that's usually when we run to our addictions, right? Or, or we're, you know, in the lull between stresses. Or we don't see stress letting up. I need a fix. I need a quick hit. I need, you know... We don't deal with stress well. We may look like we do to the rest of the world, but behind our eyes... In the dark, we know that we're not, and hopefully that's why you're listening right now. So there's some people that are walking around with heart wounds that are like that kid, you know? Instead of their body, it's their heart, and they're twisted up like a pretzel, and they're just ignoring it. Like, you know, yeah, I got the bone sticking out the side of my leg. Yeah, no, who cares? Whatever, I'm just going to keep dredging on. And listen, emotional wounds are real, all right? Heartbreak, whatever it is, whatever heart wound that you have is very, very real, all right? I mean, I've heard that these studies where they've measured some of this. People that have gone through great tragedy and loss have, you can measure it like a, like a pain, like, like a compound fracture. And eventually we get to that place where just you know, depression hits and you just can't, you don't, can't seem to get up. You can't seem to move. That's clinical depression. You're sleeping more than 10 to 12 hours a day. If you're an adult, you know, it's, it's not good. It's, it's, you need treatment for that. And I'm not Mr. Anti-medication either. I mean, there's some people that really do need medication. And it, it can help you through a, a hard time. But most of us don't need to stay on that medication. The people that need the, that kind of medication for the rest of their life are a very slim slice of the population. Less than 1%. But 13% of us, all of us in our lifetime, will be treated for clinical depression medically. Another one is mania. All right, and that's where a lot of us are. A lot of sex addicts are manic. That is one of the symptoms of manic depressives is that you're involved in risky sexual behavior. It's actually in, you know, the diagnostic handbook. Different behaviors to look for. Because listen, sexual activity lights up some of those neurotransmitters, man. These opiates that are in our brain, these norepinephrine, these serotonin inhibitors like that. Dopamine's a powerful, addictive chemical in your mind. You seem to wash over us with this sense of calm for a very short period of time. 
So we get that. And then we get the kind of self-help movement that says things like, you know, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. There's a couple of different songs on the charts right now that have that in their, you know, lyric. That's actually a quote from the atheist philosopher Nietzsche. That which doesn't kill me makes me stronger. He also said that believing in God or religion is an opiate of the people. Right now, modern science will tell you that the opiates that are lit up in the mind through sexual addiction, and the God of our culture is sex. It's a major religion in our culture today. People worship sex. The Larry Flint, the founder of Hustlers, making a new documentary, I guess, but it's called One Nation Under Sex. It's a good title, right? We're, we're worship this this country, the United States. We worship sex. It's a like a god for people. People dedicate, spend their money on it. They sacrifice their bodies to it. Some of people sacrifice their families to it. On the altar of an orgasm, right? A little hit of pleasure, a little hit of calm for a very short period of time. So I've gone long, but hopefully I've helped expose to you how redefining this word stress has opened my eyes to some things. Because I used to define stress very linear, and hopefully through this podcast I can expose some layers to you. That stress is a layered thing. You see, mind, body, spirit is a philosophy that's adhered to by about every world religion that's out there. And I implore you, all right, I'm going to stress the facts, all right? I'm going to stress this, this idea. Trust me with this inception that I want to expose you to before you critique it or reject it or, you know, close your mind. Pray that you wouldn't just be a troll, somebody who listens and just disagrees. Man, if you do disagree, tell me about it. Send me an email. I welcome that. Russ at ASI247.org. But I pray that if you would have ears to hear... I want to expose to you some real, in-depth, biblical Christianity. Because the Bible is going to say, and, and real, you know, not the superficial religious garbage that's out there, but real, you know, under the layers, biblical Christianity is going to say that we are a spirit with a body. I've been listening to these lectures at... Uh, colleges and psychology and hearing all these psychological professors. I'm starting a new one at MIT. And hearing these professors talk about how we're just wires in a box, like our consciousness is just wires in a box. Two things. Number one, there is some truth to that. Your brain is a fleshy instrument that sits on the top of your shoulders, right, inside your head, and it very much is a piece of meat, man, and it very much does react to how we treat our body. And a lot of us focus way too much on the loads that we carry. If I could just get rid of these outside circumstances, my life would be easier. It's less about that and more about how we treat our bodies. Stress reduction is not an out there thing. 
all right? It is in some regard, but most of it is how we treat our bodies, the loads we carry, the right strengths and weaknesses and handicaps that we do have. Again, it's an internal thing, less about out there. Number two, um, we're not just wires in a box, okay? A bulk of our consciousness, a big chunk of it, is spirit. You will die and be buried in the ground, and your flesh will rot, and your spirit will live on. A scientist by the name of Albert Einstein, and he was quoted to say that your consciousness is not just an energy that could just evaporate and go to nowhere. When you die, it's not just like powering down a computer or smashing a hard drive. That's not how it works. Albert Einstein was a brilliant man who was a mathematician and was very focused on the study of energy. And this guy was off the chart smart, okay? Smarter than your college professor and certainly smarter than your atheist community college professor, all right? If you live, you will have responsibilities. If you have responsibilities, you will have stress. And when we have stress, our body and our mind have an appetite that needs to be filled. And so does our spirit and our soul. And they both have this voracious appetite that needs to be filled. And one will conflict with the other. Because you're a created being. That's part of the good news. What if, listen, what if the good news is that you don't have to let your flesh drive I was talking with a guy about cognitive science and a lot of these new um, sciences that they're finding out about behavior and, you know, it's really nothing new, just packaged differently. And, you know, I challenge people constantly in group, people who think a lot, like I do, to get out of your head and into your heart. My friend Leo taught me this. It really looking through someone who spends way too much time in thought about just the material body-mind stuff. Getting out of your head and into your heart. Because listen, you know, you can learn to play this tune that is your body, but what kind of harmony is it going to play? And you can overcome an addiction and have an even more devastating one waiting to take its place. Does that make sense? What if the good news is that you're a spirit with a body? And I'll continue this show next week. I love you guys. My name is Russ Shaw. I mean that sincerely. My email address is russ at asi247.org. If in your being, with all of your emotional, intellectual, and spiritual energy, you define stress as something that's happening to you, tell you something that's only half the truth and that's the good news love you guys leave you with a bumper by Coldplay bye I was just guessing the numbers and figures pulling the puzzles apart questions of size
back to the start. But really, my goal here is to show the layers. Like, I see the world in layers.